0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Jumbo, Jumbo. Cariboni, Carissani, Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org.
1: Well, I'm not fully obedient. Just start that off straight away. I wish I was. (laughs) But um, I want to be more obedient. Um, if uh, the Lord helps me to do that, and it's great to be here, it's great to be back, great to see your lovely faces. Um, I had three months on sabbatical. For those of you who don't know, um, it's a good idea. <laughs> uh, I did. Thir- it was 30 years since I uh, began. Uh, well, I left the police to go into train for ministry for 30 years, and then having uh, three months sabbatical was great so I've got my next one booked for 30 years from now (laughs) Uh, it's already in the diary so I'll be looking forward to that one Um, but uh, thank you to the elders um, for helping to you know make it happen thank you to the brilliant staff team for running the show in my absence and having doing a great job can we thank those guys too And thank you to everybody at Ivy who's just continued to serve, to give, to love, to meet together in unity and, and uh, invite people along and just everything else. It's, just, it's a great church to be part of and uh, hopefully you'll be pleased to know that during this last three months, uh, rather than God saying to me, I want you to go anywhere else, he said, let's stay here. Yeah. It, it wasn't going to test that or anything, but you've got to be open, haven't you, just for the off chance. And uh, yeah, it's just great to be here. Why would I want to be anywhere else? Um, And I didn't really go into it with much of a plan, apart from I knew that the beginning word that I had was rest. So I did that and I did it pretty well, I think. I did quite a lot of resting and I did it, especially. I thought for the first month I'll basically rest and then it kind of bled over (laughs) into about six weeks or so. And then I began with the next word I thought God was saying, which was review. So I started to look back and I look back over, you know, the last number of years, some of which has been really tough. And uh, at the same time, to think and to pray into that and to review some of the stuff that I've taught before or we've looked at before as a church and what have been significant words God has. It's given to us because you don't want to lose those. You want to kind of pick them out and hold on to them and underline them because you kind of carry them as part of your story going forwards. And then from there, it became the, the final bit, which was like reset. And to, you know, to come back and to say, well, Lord, what, you know, for me personally what's it going to look like in the future, you know, and that will translate in terms of maybe some ways in which I relate to work and being on and off and things like that, and working in the office rather than just trying to do work from home a lot and things like that, so I can switch off a bit better, and um, it, yeah, so as I say, it's been, I've travelled a bit, i got an opportunity to go out to Egypt, which has potentially opened up, but it's not potentially, it, opened up opportunity for some incredible future ministry in the Middle East which I was never going to be looking for but basically it means I'll be able to go in the future next couple of years and and teach and train and no doubt learn from leaders in some of the hardest places and nations in the world so in November for instance having just been out to Egypt but I'll be going to Israel and then to Palestine and to um, Lebanon and to um, Jordan and to Dubai, where Dubai is a place that, that people across the Arab world can come. So we'll be able to potentially get some leaders coming from some of the nations who wouldn't be able to travel to other places and be able to, to teach and, and you know, in some of those countries that I might not even name on here. So um, it's an incredible thing when, when, you know sometimes there's that light, when you are fallow, when the land is fallow, God sows something new. Um, and we, I'm the sort of person who just wants to work the land over and over and over again, and actually it's good. You know, I, I recommend to you, maybe you can't have a sabbatical, but what are you doing about having some rest and being intentional around that? And what are you doing to review and to look back about what God has been saying? And then how does he want to reset uh, so we don't just keep going through the same loop uh, in our lives over and over again and um, as uh, as Louise said near the end of it specifically God started to speak to me about um, it was a phrase that stood out to me that he really sort of spoke to me and it started to tick over in my mind and it was it was something that as I, as I, I realized in some ways I've, I think I've been fairly neglectful of if I'm, if I'm not careful maybe I've been a little bit scared of even as a leader in the church and uh, and it's something that that helps us to be the kind of church I believe that God wants us to be, and um, it's. You no, know, it's not. Sometimes we can get on with the organisation, and we can get on with the pastoring and the people and the projects and the plans and all those kind of things, and and all of that actually rather than being the solution can be the problem because it's only natural to focus on those things, but that's the problem because the church is not only natural. The church is not only natural. The church of Jesus Christ is supernatural. And that's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need a natural church. A natural church is never, is never going to confront the world. A natural church is going to compromise with the world. A natural church is never going to make a dent on the enemy's plans. It will be alright. It will just tick along nicely. But a supernatural church is going to change the world when the kingdom of God comes. And that's what I'm praying. So this reset for the church, and I say, Lord, let it start with me. I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be big. I don't just think it's going to be a sermon uh, that we do tonight. I've already planned it won't be. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be a, a beginning of a sermon series, but basically to get this in and to speak it out. You know, I think it starts with us actually saying that's what we want. you know, Lord, we want that. We want supernatural, natural is powerless. You know? Natural is powerless. Now listen, natural is not gonna set people free. Supernatural. That's the Church of Jesus Christ. That's the church that Jesus said, I'm going to build that kind of church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the supernatural church. So um, I believe that that's God's vision for us. And we've been settling for less than that. I mean, it's good to have the vision we've said. We've, you know, for a while we've been talking about, I and mean, it's outside when you come past, we want to help people find their way back to God. We do. Never want to stop helping people wherever they're at, come and find their way back to God. And guess what? His name is Jesus. So, <laughs> you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We want to keep that front and centre in all kinds of ways. In what, but, but when I look at the book of Acts, I see that that was an outcome of the kind of community, the supernatural community that they were that changed lives and people would look at a church like that and kind of go wow they were in awe of that church they were like can I even get close can I even be a part of something so supernatural that God is creating here on the earth by his holy spirit in these ordinary people and the extraordinary things that they're doing you know people were in awe of that church so I'm going to say that my prayer is that Ivy will be and if you want to be in this is it a supernatural community That's all about Jesus. That's it. That's what we are. That's what we want to be. We want to be whatever else we may be. That's what our prayer is. That's what our aim is. We want to be a supernatural community. That's all about Jesus. We're not focusing on the supernatural. We're expectant of it. We want to speak it out. But it's all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. We're focusing on the anointed one. Not the anointing. But as we focus on him guess what happens? He releases something. Because he's looking for people who will have that focus. And so I want to name that. I want to start to talk about it. And I invite you to pray like mad with me for that to be our reality in the future. Because you know, even though we can say supernatural words and sing supernatural words in hymns and, and choruses and all those kind of things, if we're not careful, and I know this is the case for me, we can be like practical atheists who... We say we're Christians, but we pretty much live as if we don't believe that God's still got his stuff anymore. And he used to have in the olden days, maybe, and let's all remember that. But it's like, you know, Sandy's there, and did I pray for him today? And lay hands on him, and did we expect a miracle? You know, I want it to be the case that there's nobody comes to Ivy with a crutch and Somebody doesn't say, "Hey, let's pray. Let's 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 exp- we expect a miracle round here. This is a supernatural community that's all about Jesus, and you're not getting out of here <laughs> without us laying hands on you in Jesus' name." And then we'll talk about this in the future. We'll, you know, we can talk about all of the, the well, what about when it doesn't work and all that. But there are the things that stop us when it it does work because we don't we don't believe we write ourselves out of wonders. You know, wonders cease. Well, will wonders never cease. Wonders never get started. Because we, we don't invite the Holy Spirit to come and do what only he can do. And we deal with the problems and the practicalities on a purely natural level. So you can expect to hear a lot about this. I hope you decide to be part of it. But if not, there's plenty of other churches. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying it. We, and some of it... I don't know. The scary bit for me is it could look weird, you know. But here's the other thing: people think just because you say you believe in God, people will think you're weird. So we might as well embrace the weird, you know. I mentioned it. I said that to uh, Pete and Jane Edwards earlier. I said, and and they said we could get T-shirts made. (laughs) (laughs) Embrace the weird. I mean, you know. And then then it was like, yeah. Well, then if we got embrace the weird T-shirts, on, we'll all be hugging each other. come and embrace the weird <laughs> and um, you know we've got some things that I think God's lined up for it don't miss next Sunday he, evening here got a, a friend of mine's become a friend in recent years a guy called Ken Gott yeah. and Ken Gott is a fantastic mighty man of God he used to be a, a policeman many years ago apparently and then he, he together with a friend of his called Dr Philip Ladoon who's also coming he was a prophetic guy who, who does incredible ministry online around the world. We're getting people, especially people involved with New Age stuff. And uh, he leads them to Jesus. So Phil and Ken are going to come here next Sunday evening to be part of this. And they together s- stewarded, actually, you know, I'm not saying they caused it or made it happen, but they made room for, up in Sunderland uh, in the like, 90s and into the 2000s, the longest running revival in living UK history. That's basically what was going on in their church for years, and and you know Ken's great and he's really funny as well, and and he's so come next week and let's expect a miracle. Come on. You know when you came to church did you expect a miracle? Yes. Hope so. You know wouldn't it wouldn't be great. Let's see it and let's believe it and let's embrace the weird. Because what if the reality is that weird is actually normal, yeah. and what we've got used to is is subnormal? What well, if supernatural is normal, and we've got used to natural and said that that's all right? Where's that? God says that's not all right. That's not me. You know, we're talking about God. Who ever thought God would just do natural? No. He wants to change our reality by changing our perception of what is real. Um. And there's various ways that that can happen. But I think I wanted to talk about warfare tonight because that's one of the ways that it can happen because there's more that, that meets the eye, more than what meets the eye behind every interaction, behind every every distraction that comes to us, every temptation, every incident, so many things, there can be more than meets the eye. We've got a very limited perception. It was lovely, wasn't it, to see Susan up here doing the, the sign, like, signing for people who who... You know, they can see, but they perceive differently. The world is different for people because of this, their senses are different. And, and we think, well, I can see because I, 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 I've got all five senses, but you see different than my dog sees. You see different than an eagle sees. You're, it's, it's the same reality, but, but we think we see it. Whereas in fact, we're perceiving what's going on in the universe and we think our little brains have got it right. Whereas in fact, we're only ever seeing like a black and white TV at best in a HD reality. And we think, oh, we've got it. We think we've got reality. And that's what Elisha's servant thought when he woke up one morning, just made breakfast, open the window and there's this massive army sent by the king of Aram and all he could see was the enemy that's all that filled his vision and when we're talking tonight about supernatural spiritual warfare and all that kind of stuff so I, I don't want that to be our reality we, I do want us to see the enemy but I don't want the enemy to be all we can see because if all you see is the enemy then you're going to your response will be the same as his which is fear He's going to be fear. You're going to want to run and hide. You're going to, you know, all he could see was hundreds or maybe thousands of professional soldiers that were standing against him and Elisha. That's all he could see. We're massively outnumbered. That's all he could see. But supernaturally, I, I, Elisha saw something different. He actually said, No, no, we're not outnumbered. They're outnumbered. That was good, by the way. Somebody else should have nodded or something at like that. Because he was like, I think Elisha was like, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more, they're more powerful, they're more numerous, they're bigger, they're stronger than those who are with them. I wouldn't want to be in their shoes if only we could see supernaturally, eh? And I mean, when was the last time we did this? When you got a problem that came, when the letter came in the, in the week or the, the problem comes and presents it. Our natural, I'm talking, I'm not saying I'm any better than you. What do we do? We look to the natural. We see the problem, we look to the natural solution. What if we just started saying, Lord, just show me what else is going on here. Can you, can you show me how I shall be praying? What am I not seeing here? What am I not seeing? What's the solution you've got? What's your idea? What could I do? Rather than what can I do, what could I do knowing that you're with me and you're greater than this? That's when we, by faith, see that the invisible starts to become visible. So he, he prayed for that. And we've got to pray for that. We can pray it for one another. I think it's what Louise was kind of getting us to do just before this, to pray for ourselves, yeah, but also to pray for one another, that like that servant had his eyes open to the reality. He wasn't seeing what wasn't there before, he was seeing what was there all the time, that Elisha was seeing all the time. Huge, angelic presence, chariots, the hills just full of chariots of fire. You know, heaven's army backing them up and all around them. And, and, you know, if we saw like that, then spiritual warfare would be a very different matter, wouldn't it? No contest. You know, because the Bible says that. It says, it doesn't say the devil's not real, it doesn't say the devil's not powerful, but it says, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from Jesus. No, he didn't say that, is it? He <laughs> says, and he will flee from who? from you if what if you resist the devil submit to God he's going to flee from you if you stand and if you face him and if you don't run away first see Elisha just knew he was on the winning side he didn't have to fight for victory he was fighting from victory he already knew who the winner was, see the servant as I say could only see the enemy and I want us to see the enemy, that's one thing by the way I think is really important for us to do, I want us to see the enemy behind some of the natural things that come against us, the enemy that comes behind the lies that, that, that tell you they're the truth or the lies that are out there in our culture that say that they're the truth that are keeping people locked up and bound and in in sin and in identity crises and in thinking that it's all right to be to live for greed and for themselves and and they're just so miserable it's the things that is helping people to to stay in the the pandemic of loneliness and debt and fear and all kinds of stuff that's just going on right now that there is a spiritual enemy behind all of that and he loves to steal kill and destroy and that's all he ever does but then when they prayed and when he saw differently like Elisha did everything changed and then the (sighs) something changed here's what it is the enemy then couldn't see anything because all they saw was the natural Do you get that? All the enemy could see was the natural, and then God took that away, and they didn't have any supernatural sight, so now they couldn't see anything. So, if you carry on in the story, Elisha was able to go up to them and basically lead them all and say, "This is not where you you know you're in the wrong place here, guys. Follow me." And he led them as captives right to the king of Israel. It's like a picture of spiritual warfare because Jesus has led captivity captive the bible says in in his triumphant procession since the cross all of his enemies are under his feet and therefore we can stand and declare victories we're not powerless does that mean that i'm saying we'll never have suffering we'll never have problems we'll never have pain no 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 reality guys reality check you know, I came back off my sabbatical like, yeah, this is I'm, I'm glad to get back. I've got stuff on this, you know, in this first week, things in my diary. I knew what I wanted to do, but it was all just going to be a nice, nice, easy week. And then on Sunday, I got a call and connected with a, a good friend of um, mine and Zoe's um, who is connected to Ivy. His church has been, he would say, blessed by Ivy and its ministry over the years. They have come and been part of uh, trainings that we've done which has helped them to be able to they've built an amazing new building they've started some great ministries this lovely couple uh, and some of you will know um, them maybe you know their son who came and lived with us lived in our house for a year with us Um, and we were just at his wedding recently Uh, and then they rang to say that um Hazel, I'll give you a name, Hazel Huggins, um, was murdered last Sunday, uh, Saturday. And um, Zoe was texting with her a couple of days before and all kinds of happy stuff. And then, and now she's been tragically, terribly, brutally murdered. And um, so I've been down there in Devon this week trying to do what I could to support Guy and the family and the church and to kind of help them. And, but, you know, and, there's, and there's the tragedy of that, and we kind of the human tragedy of it, but as I'm with Guy and praying about it, you know, and his leaders, but specifically Guy himself, I, this is not denial, this is him seeing the reality behind this, but he's like, you know, after all they've been through in recent times, and I won't even go into the details of that in, in years, but he just said, this is it now, the devil's overstepped the mark, and there's going to be payback in this, in this town, he said. You know this funeral on Tuesday night. The place was packed. Their church was packed out. All across, people coming from across the southwest to come and and there was because you know what the evil, the things that we live in a time when nothing, nobody's evil, nobody's bad, nothing. You know everybody's kind of different shades of good. No matter what you do, finally people saw this is evil. This everybody that I have told anything about this. Here's the reaction. (gasps) No. No, You get the detail. And the more detail you get, the more you go, no. And, and that's, it's awful, but it's good. Because we can get kind of used to evil. We could even start to call evil good. The Bible says, beware of that when that happens. Beware of those who exchange good for evil and evil for good. So please... Pray into that and help. Well, pray for me, pray for them. I've got the funeral in a few weeks' time. I'll be going back down there again. But, you know, as I say, even though it's tragic as circumstances, him and his leaders, they were like, you know, they're not going to be like, oh, this has happened, so we better keep our heads down now because the enemy's come and he's attacked us and he might do something worse. It's like, actually, there's not much worse that could happen. And he's just shown how evil he is and that he really does want to steal, kill and destroy. So they're like on the offensive in terms of prayer. And they're like, we know what Hazel would have wanted out of this. She'd want way more people in heaven. And so they're praying, I'd better do a good talk at the funeral. And, uh, you know, it's just like that. there's, there's payback time. Because, Guy, you know, I, could, I said to him, I can see when I'm talking to you a kind of righteous anger. Yeah. That's really what it was. Yeah, there's grief, but it's combined with this kind of righteous anger. Because he's like, oh, I, I've seen the enemy now. I see who the enemy is now, it's not God, God didn't do this, see that's what, some, that's what the enemy wants to do very often, I'm amazed sometimes when Christians will go through something and then they'll talk about it and it'll be as if when you're listening to them, maybe even voice it as that, as if, like, as if God did it, God didn't do it, God hasn't got any of that in his shop, he doesn't have that. You know, it's like if you, I was thinking, if you, it's like if you said to me years ago, if you'd have said, Oh, I saw your dad and he was driving really fast, you know, speeding down the road in his car, and I'd go, Oh, no, you didn't. That's not my dad. My dad can't drive. He never had a car. <laughs> it's like, it'd be obvious to me. And I'm, I'm amazed sometimes when Christians attribute to God, you know, when the Bible says he's not the author of evil, he's the author of salvation. So if something happens, Make sure you point your cannons in the right direction. That's the first, that's like spiritual warfare number one. Know your enemy and know it's not God. God's your friend. God's your father. God's the one with the army on your side. God's the one who loves you so much that he died to save you. And ultimately, whatever happens, he will always, somehow, we don't know yet, there's a mystery to it, redeem. He's going to bring something good out of whatever because that's all he does that's all he can do don't be fooled into attributing to the devil to, to to yeah to god something that only the devil would do and i know there's the there's the world and there's the flesh and all that kind of bound up in in all of that too we could I haven't got time to go into that but i just want to briefly just Take us into Ephesians 6 so we can see, as well as from that brilliant story from the Old Testament, a New Testament perspective uh, 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 on what this is like the central teaching in the New Testament on, on supernatural warfare. And it's good, some of us will it'll be a reminder, and some of us need the reminder. For next time, you wonder, am I seeing the enemy here? What's his tactics? So uh, Catherine's just going to come up and just read this passage for us, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 20, if you're able to stand, why don't we all stand and receive God's word in faith together, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, it does say stand in the passage itself, so it would be wrong not to perhaps.
0: Ephesians 6 verse 10, and you might want to kind of put your your hands to the different areas of the armour that... Uh, the Lord references so when it talks about the belt of truth put your hand there breastplate of righteousness I want spoilers okay the armor of God finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, all of them. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people.
1: Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. May it come alive to us. Um, Let it be our instructions and our manual. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to pick through this a little bit. Start off by saying that this is two commands that right at the start. They're not suggestions. Two commands. Number one, verse 10, is a general command. What is it? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, the Bible never tries to argue for... The reality of a spiritual dimension or supernatural opposition, any more than it tries to do some kind of here's 10 reasons why God is real. It doesn't do that, it just assumes that that is the case and tells us about him and what he does. Uh, and all it says, I mean, it does say, the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. So it's kind of foolish to say the same thing. And um, that it says that sin in people causes them to suppress the truth that is evident in creation. It's like it's obvious when you look at creation, the clue's in the word, there's a creator. But people don't want there to be one, so they suppress that knowledge because they would be convicted by that. He's got owners' rights on me. And I don't want him to. And so they reject him. And and these are spiritual realities that I believe are only opened up to us really by when we when we come to the Word of God, we get spiritual reality that we would never get outside of reading the Bible. It's a very special book from that point of view. You know, when I joined the police cadets at the age of 16, one of the first uh, departments they called it that I was involved with was the criminal records office. And I got to be able to look through all the criminal records uh, of people. So obviously I went and looked up people I knew straight away and, and uh, things like that. I was like, oh, my goodness. And his mum, oh, he was like. and uh, But then I started to read some of the things that people do to other people. And like, I mean, obviously we can get it in the news now and things like that, but, but like you got detail that you would not get even in newspapers. And I was like, oh man, this world is messed up. People in this world, at the age of 16, it was like my eyes were opened up. Wow, I never knew that. I never knew that people could do that kind of thing and they're doing it. And some of them even get caught. I was like, oh, it blew me, maybe a very cynical, actually, for a long time, because I wasn't a Christian then. And I, and you know, anybody who has some romantic view of humanity that we're all alright really and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, if, if you'd have walked the beat with me a few nights around Cheatham Hill, you might have come up with a different story as a result of that. And and then I became a Christian, and then I started to well, so did my mate John, who comes along to the church here. Some of you know him, and the two of us would sit. Reading our Bibles together in the panda car at night on nights and talking, and we went and um, and we got a book called *The Adversary*, and it was uh, just like listed some realities about sin, the world, and the devil. And like the two of us, I remember the two of us sitting in Heaton Park one day, going, "That's true. That explains this. That explains why this horrible this world is like it is." It, it doesn't make sense, if you like, but it makes sense of this. Things that, that otherwise would never be able to make any sense humanly, supernaturally. Now, I, can, I could see it. It was like, oh, the Bible tells us we have an enemy. and, the, and you know, the, It doesn't tell us everything about it. But it was like one of those moments. It was like I started to see the world differently because I read the Bible. Read the Bible. See everything differently. See it from God's perspective. That's the goggles, by the way. Do you want the goggles? It's the Bible. It's to see the world differently. C.S. Lewis, whose books, and especially his stories, I think, because that's the way he went in the end, are brilliant to help us to be able to understand all of this. Wrote this very famous quote in the book, The Screwtape Letters. He said, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And then he said, the devil himself is happy with either extreme. So we're not saying we're always going to be talking about the devil every week in church. We're not devil (laughs) worshippers. We're not focusing on him. But we do want to be aware, don't we? The Bible says we're not unaware of his schemes. I think sometimes we are. And when we have... Knowledge like this, and we look at a subject like this again. We can have two opposite extremes. When we hear about the devil and demons and spiritual warfare, although the Bible is full of talking about people being set free of demons, first thing Jesus did, by the way, first miracle Jesus did, he walks into a synagogue, into a holy place, and somebody starts screaming, "What are you doing here, Son of God? If you come, and get rid of us!" The very first thing that happens when Jesus comes into ministry and does ministry is that hell starts to shake. And demons, I really you know, don't know what to do. So what do we do, though? I mean, we hear that. And I know a lot of us are going to go, because oh, we have two opposite extremes. Of ours could be fight or flight. And one, one problem is flight, when fear makes you just want to run away from it or bury your head in the sand or whatever. Not a good tactic. Because the enemy is still going to come at you. It didn't say, take your stand if or in case the day of evil comes. It's like, it's gonna come. It's coming. So don't be, or well, be ready, be ready for that. Be, you know, so it's not saying it's gonna be easier, but it'd be easier if you know what's coming. And actually fear is one of his chief weapons anyway. So we don't wanna flight. The other one is fight in my own strength. We can kind of feel, oh, I'm doing good now as a Christian. I think I've been, you know, have you ever had that where you kind of feel like, oh, I'm on a roll here. You know, everything seems to be great. And no, praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, like that. And everything's great. And, And then what happens? Bang. Because I've started to forget. I'm not strong in my strength. I'm not. But it says be strong in his strength. Might in God's might, we don't again fight for victory, but from the victory that Jesus has won. And actually, the word there you could literally read it is be strong or let yourself be continually strengthened. It's like a receiving thing, let God strengthen you. I'm not strong enough, but I continually need to ask Him to strengthen me and put His strength in me. And so, I've said this is a general command. Why do I say that? I mean, because it applies to every Christian believer at every time, in every place. Everywhere, every day. Because you can't be neutral in this war. From the day somebody says, I want to belong to Jesus, they change sides. The Bible says that he takes us out of the dominion of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of his son, who he loves. That's what he does. He transfers us. We change sides. One thing I did over the sabbatical again was reread my second favourite book, which is The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. And in that, there's this time when, 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 again, Pilgrim's really not doing anything wrong. He's walking along the path. He's doing the right thing. And Apollyon, who is the devil, comes directly to confront and attack him. And the first thing that he says is, what are you doing here? You belong to me. And if you don't go back where you came from, back to the city of destruction, you're going to find that I'm against you. And I'm going to, I'm going to win. I'm going to beat you down. And, and Pilgrim says, Christian says, I don't belong to you anymore. I left that city. I'm, going, I'm following where my captain tells me to go. I don't want to fight you. Napoleon's like well I want to fight you and he comes after him and, he, and he, even though he's got all the armour on he, he beats him down because you know you sign up as a Christian and we stopped singing those kind of songs a while ago in lots of churches but you sign up to be a Christian soldier and, and it's, it's just about you know, beaten down when Pilgrim remembers, Christian remembers a verse of scripture and he brings that and that's his sword. And that's what pushes back the enemy because we, we're not strong, are we? But we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The specific command in verse 11 is something that we do as an Individual. Put on the full armour of God. Full armour is the Greek, for those who like these kind of things, that we get panoply from. It's like all of it, the full panoply of God's armour. And then he lists it, and it was good what Catherine said for us to do and to go through that throughout the day. And I haven't got time to go through that as a study. I've done it before, uh, before. but you can do your own study on that, what the internet's for. The first, So the commandment now then is is. This second commandment is how we fulfill the first one. How to be strong in the Lord, how to stand, to hold your ground. Sometimes that's all you can do. Not just to hold your ground, not to necessarily take, but sometimes it just takes all you can do. I don't know about you, some days just to keep standing. And the language in the first commandment was passive. Let God do this to you. But the second one is active. It's like, and this is your part that you have to do. See the difference? This is how he wants to strengthen you against all the pressures and the problems and the temptations and the, the powers and principalities that come against you. We don't wait for God to do this. He expects that we will do this and the tense in this conveys a sense of urgency. It's like, put all of this on now. When? Now. What oh, do you mean now? I mean now. I mean you should have already had it on but put it on now. Put it on now. And this isn't a once and done thing. I remember hearing years ago a uh, well, he a, a preacher I much respect and he was a great Bible teacher but he said something about the spiritual armor and he said, he said oh I don't need to keep putting the, the, uh, the armor on I never took it off and he kind of said it in a, in a and I thought oh that's a good one oh I like that one I'll make a note of that I'll use that one day a year later his marriage had come crashing down and everything had gone I'm not, I don't want to be complacent I want to put the armor on you know, I don't want to think, oh, I'll never take it off. I want to make sure it's on and, and shiny and bolted in place and that I'm keep putting it on and I'm doing it now. So, because we are under attack and we're under attack continually. And I don't mean necessarily just in kind of occult and witchcraft and all these different kinds of things that are obvious. I mean, make no mistake, your mind is a battleground continually being bombarded with messages from our culture. And... You know, yes, there are young people in particular at the moment who are, you know, there's a rising interest in Satanism, even, and in astrology that kind of is doorways into all kinds of wickedness that, that destroys people and messes them up. But there's also a, just a blitzkrieg, if I can use the war language again, of anti God ideologies, belief systems that directly contradict. God's word about who he is and who we are. They're cleverly disguised. Often they manipulate. They use psychological tools. They use social pressures to cajole, to coerce, to cancel if you don't agree, to persuade us to buy, to comply, to compromise Everywhere in all kinds of different ways, through media, through messages, mm-hmm. bus stops, billboards, little things that are just. Uh, there's a, uh, a guy called Noah Harari, who advises the World Economic Forum, recently wrote that he said that humans are hackable animals. That's what he described us as. Like, we can be hacked, our brains can be hacked, and there's messages the world wants to give you. Check the source. Check the truth against God's word. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to tell you all that's right and wrong, but I'm going to tell you where I know where to get my source of what's right and wrong. Because there's all these things that are coming against us. And Paul says here that the devil, the diabolos, the accuser, he doesn't usually attack in plain sight. He has methodia, methods, strategies, schemes. And it's not random, that's what that means. It means they're very targeted and specific, some of these things that we face. See, it's a bit like, you know, your, um, your feed will come up with things. I'm going to, I can't, no, I'm not, I can't tell you that one. That was going to tell you. No. He's always not wondering. I know she can't remember. All right. All right, I'll tell you. No, I can't. No, I can't because it, it will give you too many bad pictures in your mind. Now, something came up on my feed that was offered to me the other day as a middle aged man that I was a bit like, Flipping eh, I don't want that. You know, it was a weird, a weird thing, you know what I mean? All right, I'm going to tell you now. You're going to think, why? <laughs> it was a, a, underpants with, like, padding in the back. <laughs> I was like, do they make things like that? And why would I want them? I, don't, I mean, maybe you're wearing them tonight, sir. So I don't want to, you know, <laughs> but it, it, it <laughs> was. Anyway, but at some point, they've kind of gone... I don't know, maybe they've seen pictures of me and thought I need them. But but there's there's, this stuff that is tailor-made to Anthony Delaney. When I go on Amazon, because you bought this, you might like this, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And it's like the devil comes along with a lie and says, well, because you bought this, maybe you'll buy that. You know, you bought into this lie, whoa, I've got a truck full. And it's, you know, specific things, there's like bombs and bullets and booby traps to make you fall, to make you fail, to make you feel terrible because you did, to, make, to take you out of the fight. Why? Because he's scared. He's scared of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on. That's it. That's why. He knows what we forget what the Bible that's why we need the Bible again to remind us and to remember and to speak out loud the truth I am loved I am forgiven I do belong to him I am chosen I am adopted I'm part of the army of God I'm part of this supernatural community that's all about Jesus that the gates of hell will not prevail against I'm sorry you know I've been chosen before the foundation of the world before I was even born before I ever committed a sin He'd already written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's already got plans and purposes that can't be stopped or hindered. Hallelujah. Amen. That was worth at least one hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can fight and win. Yeah. Come on. This supernatural battles that come. He's already won the war. You know, the, the picture often gets used, and I think he still stands. is like D-Day happened. And when D-Day happened, World War II was kind of already won. Yeah, the de- decisive fight on the Normandy beaches was won. And then there was a lot of fighting that still went on until they got to Berlin and it was actually over with. And that's the kind of place we're in now. Jesus won. Jesus is, the, is victorious. And, he want, and we can overcome in the power of his might. And then, um, and then he, he, he lists in the passage these demonic spiritual entities that, that are arrayed in this dark world, he says, against the Lord, who attack us, who want to beat us down, who want to keep us in fear, want to keep us in shame, want to keep us in mourning, want to keep us in guilt, want to keep us... but All because they have no future except destruction. That's what, they're destined for Destruction. We're destined for, for glory. That's why they hate us. That's why they hate us. So, the scripture says, and the, you know, there's these lists there, and it's like assigned to roles and regions and different responsibilities in different ways. And, and some people, you know, some of you might be nations or individual assignments, and some people will be able to tell you, oh, well, this one is this one, and this one is this one, and give you names for all of them. I don't know about that, to be honest with you. I'm happy to listen to people when they have those, but really, I don't want to go beyond what scripture says because it says enough for me to be able to know this stuff's real yeah. yes. and I never want to forget it's real and that, that's the realities that we face but when we come to worship, every time we choose choosing sides again yeah. and we are doing something powerful the mo- it's like nuclear stuff that's going on poof, in the heavenlies when we worship and the chariots of fire and the angels and the archangels are all around us you know and I'd love to see them, but I want to see him. Because we're a supernatural community, it's all about Jesus. He's our focus. That's who we want. We want to focus on Jesus. And, and when we look at him, and we see how good he is, and we see how powerful he is, and we see, see that he's on our side, and he's, he, he, by his Holy Spirit, he's, he's not just even by our side, but he's in us. And he's with us, and he's in you, and he's in you. And like together, I think I told you the other week, uh, a few weeks ago, about it, uh, this guy, uh, Christopher Wickland. And he was, he's a you know prophetic guy. And he said that when he... His background was witchcraft and all kinds of stuff. As a teenager, he got into the worst bits of all of that. And he, you know, he thought he was very powerful. And he read all the books and he was doing all this kind of stuff. And uh, he looked down on Christians. Um, but there was some that he knew. So as a late teens, he went along to some event just to kind of sneer at it, really. But when he walked in, he said in the middle, there was this incredibly bright white light when they worshipped that was like connecting every person there and he was like why can't they see that? He could see it because he was used to seeing supernatural realities all he could see was the enemy but now the Lord wanted to speak to him and show him the light shines in the darkness the darkness has never overcome it and Jesus is the light of the world so let's go into a time of communion and we're going to worship him and connect to him and let's you know, believe that as we do this whether or not we feel it when, we're taking, when we take these elements somehow in us there's a spiritual power that comes to bring healing to set you free and let's just pray Lord we, we recognise and then we're sorry for the times whenever we haven't the supernatural reality of when we gather and we meet together like this and the power that there is. Lord, we know that in recent years, hell has done everything possible to try and stop this kind of thing from happening. To stop Christians gathering together to sing, to worship you. We said, Lord, some of us at the time, may we never take this for granted again. But Lord, now as we come together as brothers and sisters and others, people from other churches too, we're one body in Christ. And Lord, you invited us as one body. You said, my body is going to be broken for you so that you can be made whole. Before you come to communion, the Bible says that before you come, it says examine yourself first. But like Graham said before, if there's there's anything in you that needs to be be dealt with if there's somebody we need to forgive if there's something I need to be forgiven of if there's an agreement I've made with the enemy if there's if there's things I've looked at tasted seen said and and I've seen now Lord as you show me oh that's the enemy that's not come from you if I've spoken out something and attributed to you Lord something that actually was direct from hell I'm so sorry Lord Please forgive me. Thank you that all you ever do for me is good and for my good. It doesn't mean everything in my life has been good so far. But Lord, I want to direct the canons in the right direction. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to be more aware and to see heavenly realities right now Lord as we worship you thank you that your blood was shed for me if, 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 if I've said I'm not sure God loves me Lord I am so sorry it poured out of your veins Lord your love poured out of your veins for me so that somebody like me who's a sinner who's He's messed up in so many ways so many times and promised I never would then gone and done it again Lord Lord as your blood poured from those nails from the wound in your side from the crown of thorns Lord thank you now that as I ask you to your blood comes and sets me free from every assignment of the enemy from every lie Just wash me clean, Lord, inside and out. Let your blood come. And I pray, Lord, that we know there's healing in the blood. I pray, Lord, that as we come, even in this communion time now, that people who have emotional, spiritual, yes, physical healing needs, that they would be set free. Lord, if some of us have made agreements in any way with the devil, with with the lies of this world, with the occult, in any shape or form, with dark spiritual forces that may have masqueraded as angels of light. Lord, we, we, are, we repent of those things. In Jesus' name right now, we come to you and we ask that they, the chains would be broken and we would be free. Just show us anything. Things we've watched, things we've participated in maybe. Help us, Lord, to, to never be the same again because that's the power that you Give to us Lord There's nothing else Nobody else Who can do that Lord Who can say to a sinner Go on your way now And don't sin again And Lord you help us To be able to live a righteous And holy life You strengthen us With your might We put your armour on. We lift up the shield of faith. Hold on to your promises as a strong sword. Every person in this place, Lord, we ask that you clothe us and equip us for whatever battles we face in the days and weeks ahead. And thank you, Lord, that this, your church, is a supernatural community. Thank you, Jesus. And we come to you. We say we're all about you, Jesus. We're all about you. Whatever else, anybody else might be about. Let us be all about you. Yes, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Amen. 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 Just take your time in the next few minutes. Do business with God when you're ready and it's right for you. Just to go to the different tables and share. You might want to just receive it yourself, or you've came with somebody. Maybe you can do it in little groups, twos and threes, and, and share together. That supernatural community Book of Acts, he said, they just held things in common. They were like, "This is mine. That's yours. It's ours now." So we can do practice, even in a sharing moment like this, living the the Jesus-focused life. Thank you, Jesus. So yeah, take your time. When you're there, there's some people who will be there. There's also people around. Maybe one or two of the guys that we are, have asked us to pray in the past could just be also at the tables. And um, and, and when you're there, just a sign that, you, you know, some of you, you know who you are, elders and other people. Just put your, like, your hand on your heart after you've received. And that's just a sign by the tables that you're willing to pray with anybody about anything too, so we can have some ministry going as we continue to worship. Okay. When you're ready,
0: start to move.